Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. This is the Savage Nation podcast today. Today we're talking about smash and grab robberies, which I've been talking about for, for months now, that they're organized, it's run by gangs, it's run by organized criminal gangs, and all of a sudden, the newspaper is saying, oh, gosh, it's not just teens robbing a pair of sneakers. I've been talking about looting the violence perpetrated by these mobs of so-called youths. And you know the word youth is a, a, a little code word. They can't say who they are. The gangs rush into a store. They grab as much as they can, and they rush out. Now, the lowlifes in the media want you to believe all of these flash mob lootings happening across the nation are unplanned and organic by poor, poor minorities. Unfortunately for us, the truth is far more devious. Many of these flash mob acts of violence and crimes are planned out and organized by major league gangs. And they're using technology that is easily available for them to use. I've talked about the messaging apps that are encrypted. And they delete the messages after a certain period of time so they're not even copied or saved by any system and so the police can't catch them. iMessage, for example, is an app that comes loaded with everyone's iPhone. And other apps like Signal, Wire, Threema, and Telegram are very popular with these criminals because of these disappearing features and are used to set up illicit gatherings, parties, events, and now thieving rings. People also use social media like Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter to contact each other and then plan on using secure group messaging for details about which store to rob. Now, you have to understand something here. They're not taking this loot home. They're bringing it to a Fagan, Reed Dickens if you want to know who Fagan is, a fence who gives them a certain amount of money for the robbery, not per item. They're getting $1,000 a piece, we were reading, to break into the stores and steal as much as they can carry out these, these uh, minority gangs. So finally, after all this time of talking about it, so-called authorities are taking notice and realizing how these groups really operate. But I want to know why are they not busting up the organized criminal gangs? Ask yourself that question. Huh? Could it be that some of the money is flowing uphill? Is it possible? We know they're organized on social media. And finally, now the news is caught up with everyone who's been studying this. And uh, they're reporting that it's organized gangs that are doing it as they steal luxury purses, bags, designer wear. And now in Walnut Creek, California, uh, 80 people, minorities, of I'm sorry, teens. You can't say minority even. Now you have to say teen. Stormed through a Walnut Creek mall stealing expensive items before fleeing. At L.A.'s Grove Shopping Mall not long after, a smaller group of teens used sledgehammers on a Nordstrom store. 
But um, finally, California Attorney General Rob Bonta said these group crimes are rooted in a kind of organized crime. Now, he's done nothing about it. And uh, he says those running into the stores are mostly foot soldiers for those calling the shots from a safe distance. Well, if he knows that, why don't they arrest those who are organizing it? So the state's top prosecutor tells us that these gangs are giving directions to the teens hitting businesses using social media, blah, 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 and tell them where are the most valuable goods in the stores and what to take. These stolen goods are then sold through the fences for a considerable profit, he said. He says, you know, the crime we are seeing is organized crime, and it's going to take an organized strategy to put a stop to it. Well, what the hell is your organized strategy? None. All he's doing is telling us what we already know. Listen how he puts it. These are the folks. You hear this? Not the scum, not the vermin, not the criminal. These are the folks that have put thought into it, have a strategy, have a plan, focused on certain places at certain times, and communicate and work in concert. What a freaking genius this guy is. Wow. What an attorney general. And so this is what's going on. The attorney general of California knows what's going on, knows it's organized by gangs and does absolutely nothing about it. And all the while, the stores are leaving and California's businesses are dying. Thank you very much, attorney general. You're doing a bang up job. So continuing our discussion of the organized retail theft that's happening across America because the police have been deballed by the American left and by the media in the left, like Anderson Cooper and all of the other vermin. Finally, you'll never believe this story. I saw it in Breitbart. Listen to this. San Francisco mayor, no one knows who she is, London Breed, announced plans today to expand the police budget, expand the police budget to deal with rising crime, calling permissive policies bullshit. Apparently, uh, Mayor Breed, a real genius, reversed her policy this past February, where she said she was going to defund $120 million from the police and hire social workers. Breed's new proposal for more policing is aimed at the Tenderloin, a notoriously dangerous and drug-ridden district near Market Street. Yeah, right. So the San Francisco Chronicle finally notes this. They say, Mayor London Breed wants to significantly boost the police presence in the Tenderloin over the next few months as part of a public safety blitz which includes a crackdown on those who are selling drugs and those who are using them in the long troubled neighborhood. Oh, she finally woke up to it. We've been screaming about it for 20 years. So Mayor Breed, a loser from the get-go, last year calls for defunding the police. Now finally Breed has called for increased funding for police in the overtime department to help pay for the move, which includes tackling the resale of stolen goods. What do you mean by tackling? She told residents last week, the double talker, that she believes policing is an important tool to address some of the neighborhood's woes, which includes uh, drug dealing, fatal overdoses, and a spike in gun violence. And so I think you'd agree with me, it's time that the reign of criminals who are destroying our city comes to an end, said Mayor Breed, at a news conference in City Hall, finally, flanked by department heads and supervisors who let the city fall into the gutter. She said, it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement and more aggressive with the changes in our policies and less tolerant of all the bull that destroyed our city. 
Can you believe this? Here is the woman who attacked the police for years and now saying she's going to support the police. Listen to her. And it's time that the reign of criminals who are destroying our city, it is time for it to come to an end. And it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement, more aggressive with the changes in our policies, and less tolerant of all the bullshit that has destroyed our city. We are going to turn this around. This is a city that has a population of less than one million people with an over $12 billion budget. The residents of this city have been extremely generous in providing us with the resources we need to make a difference. And now the priorities we need to make must be to protect them. All of these so-called authorities are now at least talking about it, but their actions, I don't believe a word she's saying. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Well, how did it get so bad so fast in America? Well, I saw it coming back when Biden first seized power. I told you what to expect. Why don't we look back now on the time of Biden's inauguration and see how right I was about what will happen to this country. See if you agree with me. I predicted this. I started by describing a dream about the last elephant and my monologue on the inauguration of fear and loathing. You have to listen to this. When I woke up this morning, I had a gruesome image that I recall from my childhood. It was of this grainy black and white movie of a pack of pygmies deep in the African jungles attacking the noble elephant. I often wondered how could such small people kill such a large animal. And then I watched in horror as one snuck up behind the elephant. He jabbed a long spear into the elephant's anus, causing pain we could only imagine. As the elephant was distracted with this pain, another pygmy snuck up and stabbed him in the genitals. As the elephant came back down, another pygmy stabbed him in the eye, then another in the other eye, then another put a spear in his ear, then another put a spear, you get the picture. Eventually, the poor creature was lying on the ground moaning as the pack of pygmies carved him up and one pygmy opened up his guts and pulled out his heart. I woke up in horror this morning thinking of that image from my childhood and thought I was watching the death of the Republican Party, if not the death of America itself. The Democrat Socialist Communist Party USA I like that pack of pygmies, I thought to myself. And then I thought, is this image too gruesome for the audience? Or is it just about real enough? A cry for racial justice, some 400 years in the making, moves us. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. A cry for survival comes from planet itself. A cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear. And now, a rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism, 
that we must confront and we will defeat. Welcome to the Savage Nation podcast. Well, yesterday was the inauguration. What was it an inauguration of? To me, the inauguration of fear and loathing. Today, we're going to talk about what Biden, Harris, Pelosi, Schumer, and occasional Cortex would like to do to us unless we stop them by resisting them. Never forget who they are and what they intend to do. Biden, of course, was inaugurated yesterday. And although he was very mild, middle of the road, he was not really mild in the middle of the road. It was not his persona. It is not what Biden said. It's what he did. Biden's first act, even before the inauguration, was to slap everyday ordinary Americans right in the face by putting an incompetent transgender at the assistant secretary of health. Why do I say an incompetent transgender? Because the transgender that he picked to insult everyone in America sent the elderly into nursing homes to die of COVID as the secretary of health for the state of Pennsylvania. Isn't that wonderful to see that he picked an incompetent transgender? But then he did something else. Day one, the sweeping executive orders, which which I will list for you in a moment. Do you know what he did? He put a bust of Cesar Chavez in the Oval Office. Now, that's an Oval Office where there was a bust of Winston Churchill. Donald Trump had had a, a bust of Winston Churchill who saved the British, in fact, all of Europe, from the scourges of Nazism. So what did this dunce with the mask on do? He puts up a bust of Cesar Chavez from a farm workers union. What's he trying to do? He's trying to appease the Hispanic audience, appease the millions of illegal aliens in this country who now seem to be the tail that's wagging the dog. Well, that's not all he has done. We'll talk about his executive orders in a moment. But let's go back to the inauguration. What was it an inauguration of? Inauguration of what? Of fear and loathing. Today, we're going to talk about what Biden, Harris, Pelosi, Schumer, and occasional cortex are going to do to us unless we resist them. I want you to never forget who they really are and what they intend to do. Never mind the smiley faces. Why do I say what they really are? Did you not hear what Joe Biden said in his speech? In that short 30 seconds, it was billed as a speech promoting unity. Actually, if you listen, you heard the real intentions for the next four years. Nothing but fear and loathing and an attack upon the middle class. He said the earth is dying. Racism is rampant. But the last part was the most fearful of all. He said the rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism, that we must confront and defeat. Do you realize what he's saying? He's declaring war against the white male, heterosexual Christian who loves the flag. You heard me. That was Joe Biden talking to the 74 million of us who did not vote for him. If you are conservative, you are an extremist, a white supremacist, a domestic terrorist, and he and the evil Democrats are out to get you. Get with the program or we're coming after you. Is that not trying to instill fear in you because of his loathing for you? You've heard in the media and from the Democrats in the days leading up to the election that we need to deprogram these people, that we're part of a cult. They must have their thoughts changed. Is that not trying to fill you with fear? 
You think I'm being an extremist by telling you what's going on? But the reverse is actually true with old Joe Biden. The vermin in the media want to portray him as the kindly old saint we all need to heal the nation. All the media, all the Democrats and all of Hollywood were crying last night as Joe Biden took the oath. One of them had uh, a tingle go up and down his leg or her leg or its leg. They all gave him high marks. Even that sneering piece of junk, Chris Wallace, at so-called faux news, who said it was the best inaugural speech he ever heard. Screw you, Chris Wallace. You weasel you. All fawning over Biden in the following montage. Listen carefully, but get out your vomit bags. I thought it was a great speech. Um, I've been listening to these inaugural addresses since 1961. John F. Kennedy asked not. I thought this was the best inaugural address I ever heard. Those three pens that we just saw President Biden use uh, to sign those documents will be given away, most likely to someone in that room. And I've been in those rooms when those signings are happening. And I can tell you that all eyes are on those pens. You know, he spoke from the depth of his soul and we needed this. You know, that was beautiful. You know, beauty heals. Beauty heals. There was not one part of that that wasn't just medicine in the wound. But he also used this moment to attempt to reclaim truth. We just saw an outgoing president who, by counts, issued more than 33, some odd thousand assaults on the truce, mixed truths. And this was about taking truth and reclaiming facts, George. Mark Uppergrove, presidential historian. This was, we must not be enemies. We must not make friends of our enemies, as John Carl was just talking about. Echoes of Abe Lincoln right there. This is democracy's day. Democracy has prevailed. Today's inauguration felt more like a church service, right? I mean, and, and we see there that like after a good sermon, the congregation doesn't want to go home, right? People are still hugging, shaking hands. The beginning had a little bit of soaring rhetoric, a teeny bit at the end. In the middle, it sounded almost like a homily to uh-huh. me, a breaking down of all this big language into very simple colloquial terms. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking to you. Mm-hmm. I'm in this vaunted position, but like a priest explaining something from the Bible or something. I'm breaking it down for you so we can all have a common language and a common understanding. The Bidens are walking into the house now, the White House, where the president and first lady will make their new home. And for anybody out there wondering, yes, there has been a deep clean of the building, given the fact that the previous occupants did not take coronavirus particularly seriously. Uh, It's a majestic day. It always has been and it always should be. There's a cleansing. There's an air of cleansing about today. Well, all is well now that Joe is president. But could they have just shown a little grace to the president as he was leaving town? Of course not. As President Trump was leaving yesterday morning, they spewed their hatred and showed their loathing for this poor man and his wife. Uh, he's almost leaving town like a, uh, an, uh, an autocrat, uh, ousted from power, heading off into exile. He sneaks out early tomorrow as the only president in living memory to face the legitimate prospect of post-presidential conviction in the Senate and a lifetime ban on holding office and potential federal and state criminal charges in the courts. Other than that, how was the play, Mr. President? You will go down in history as unequivocally and inarguably the worst 
president in American history with what may literally be the rap sheet to prove it. What a difference four years makes. He had a very impressive, huge crowd at his inauguration. It's going to be a little pathetic, a tiny little crowd at Joint Base Andrews uh, where he's going to say goodbye. He looks small. He just looks like a small man. Uh, And that is exactly the way that he has handled his uh, presidency since he lost. And he just has appeared smaller and smaller and less and less courageous. Uh, What is preventing us from coming together to fight our real enemies like COVID is racism. It is at the heart of what allowed Donald Trump free reign to terrorize the American people for four years. But the fact is that at noon, in just a little over three hours, he will go from sitting in the most powerful office in the world, the Oval Office, to sitting by the swimming pool at Mar-a-Lago. We are about to see a change of incalculable dimensions. And for those who still just have to cover Donald Trump because they've done it for four years, really get over it. The 45th president of the United States and First Lady Melania Trump waving goodbye to the country. He leaves with the lowest approval ratings of any president after one term in the history of scientific polling. Melania Trump also leaving with the lowest approval rating of any First Lady in the history of polling, which is a remarkable thing. That's just a sample of the vileness that came out of their mouths that they're reserving now for you and I. Did you hear the loathing? This is not reporting. This is not opinion. This is not journalism. This is outright propaganda and hatred. And do you think that they will stop now that they have absolute power and now that Trump is gone? Oh, no. They feel emboldened, really emboldened. So who do you think they're going to go after next? It's you. That's who. It's you. That's who. It's already started. The radical left under Joe Biden is actively attempting to make sure that no one who worked in the Trump administration gets a job. Companies are pulling donations to conservative politicians. That's only the beginning. They're also on the lookout at their employees' social media accounts. That means you. Anyone who does not agree with the Communist Party USA, excuse me, the Democrat Party USA, will either have to be reeducated by corporations or thrown out of work. I have something coming up for you, an analysis that was sent to me that outlines the very real possibilities that could happen during this far left administration. I will also go over what Biden did with his sweeping executive orders. His first acts as president were getting rid of Trump policies that we all supported. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Next. I broke down the 17 executive orders Biden signed on his very first day. Today, we are talking about the inauguration of fear and loathing. Now, let's look at the executive orders that he announced. He has a full list of the 17 executive actions that dictator Biden will take upon taking office. 17 now, launching a 100 days masking challenge, federal grounds mask mandate. Okay, that's asking, requiring masks and social distancing in all federal buildings. That's a good thing if they'd only put a cork in their mouths to go with it. I hope that they would cork their mouths for 100 days and make them not be able to sign anything. Number two, resuming engagement with the World Health Organization. You know that fabulous group of deadbeats? It's a Trump reversal, and it will put us back into WHO and have them in charge of our international COVID response. 
Dr. Anthony Fauci, that cretin, the nation's top liar, was named the head of delegation to the country's WHO executive board. He'll deliver remarks on Thursday to the board. There we go again. Next, creating COVID-19 response coordinator position. I don't know what that means. Coordinating all aspects of COVID-19, blah, blah, blah. Extending eviction and foreclosure moratorium. Is it a Trump reversal? No. Biden will ask the CDC to consider extending the federal eviction moratorium until at least March 31. He'll also ask on Congress, actually request that Congress extend the moratorium further. He'll ask the Departments of Veterans Affairs, Agriculture and HUD to consider extending foreclosure moratoriums for federally guaranteed mortgages until March 31. Biden will also call on the Federal Housing Finance Agency to extend its foreclosure and eviction moratoriums past February 28th. I happen to agree with all of it. The poor people need help. The next executive order, pause on student loans. Biden will ask the Department of Ed to consider extending the pause on interest and principal for direct federal loans until at least September 30th. That's not a Trump reversal. Rejoining the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, it is a Trump reversal. It'll put us back into the Paris Agreement. What does that mean? Tell me what it actually means. It means we'll be under the control of international bodies with regard to what we can do in this nation. Here's a big one. Absolutely stupid what he did next. Revoking Keystone XL pipeline permit plus other environmental actions. Let's look at them carefully because I may agree with some of them. He'll sign an executive order that will address the climate crisis. To me, the climate crisis is the hot air coming out of his mouth. Create good union jobs, communism. Advance environmental justice, communism. While reversing the previous administration's harmful policies. All executive party aid must immediately review and take appropriate action against the during the last four years that are harmful to public health. That could mean owning a gun. Uh, agencies should consider revising vehicle fuel economy and emission standards to cut pollution, blah, blah, blah. Placing a temporary moratorium on all oil and natural gas leasing activities in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Good for him. Long overdue. Trump never should have done that. That was an outrage what Trump did. Good for you, Biden. Reestablishing the interagency working group on the social cost of greenhouse gases. I don't know what that means. Nobody does. It's a boondoggle for insiders. Revoking the presidential permit granted the Keystone. I guess he wants oil prices to go up. My expectation is gas prices will be through the roof by the summer. There are your Democrats in power. Next is a racial thing. Rescinding Trump's 1776 commission plus advancing racial equity for all. What does that mean? Biden will sign executive order to embed equity across federal policymaking and root out systemic racism. That's a bunch of crap. Does anyone even understand what he's talking about? Direct federal agencies launch equitable data working group. It's more gobbledygook. Study methods to federal agencies to create equity. What more than affirmative action taking jobs from white males do they want? Uh, Biden has tasked Ambassador Susan Rice, you remember that doll, with the position of domestic policy advisor to hold the federal government accountable for the previously mentioned actions. In other words, to impose racism, including non-citizens and census apportionment for congressional representatives. That's a bad one. It's a Trump reversal. It'll make sure that the Census Bureau counts illegal aliens in the census. You hear this? Because Trump 
put in a plan to exclude illegal aliens from the census and apportionment. That means we'll have Democrats for the next thousand years. Preserving and fortifying the DACA program. Take all actions to preserve and fortify the DACA program. We'll call on Congress to enact legislation to provide permanent status and a path to citizenship. All right, call on Congress. So Congress has to act on DACA. That's going to be a tough battle. Ending the Muslim travel ban. Here's a beauty. Biden will sign an executive action that will put an end to the Muslim ban, which barred entry into the U.S. from primarily Muslim and African countries. The action instructs the State Department to restart visa processing for those affected. This action will provide the strengthening of screening and vetting for travelers through the use of information sharing. That means nothing. So he's going to flood the country now with Muslims from Africa and the Middle East. I hope you all sleep better tonight. Setting civil immigration enforcement policies? What does that mean? Biden will sign another executive order that will allow the Department of H. Homeland Security to set civil immigration enforcement policies in a reversal of Trump administration's order that directed harsh and extreme immigration enforcement. In other words, they're going to open the floodgates to any illegal that wants to come in. Terminating border wall construction. That's great. We don't need a wall. Well, Trump didn't get much done anyway. He talked about it. So that's no change at all. And after all, we need the flow of drugs into Hollywood and the rest of America, don't we? Extending deferred enforcement departure for Liberians? Biden will sign a presidential memorandum to extend the deferred enforced departure designation for Liberians. This will also extend the work authorization and ensure the ease of application of residency by the Liberian Relief and Fairness Act. Can anyone listening to this podcast today tell me what this is about? Why do we need more Liberians in America? I don't know. Prohibiting workplace discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. That's already protected. The order will direct agencies to take all lawful steps to protect the rights of LGBTQ plus individuals. It's already protected. What more do we need? Ordering appointees to sign ethics pledge requires all appointees in the, to sign that with the goal of restoring and maintaining. That means nothing. Next executive order, improving and modernizing regulatory review, whatever the hell that means. Biden will issue a presidential memorandum revoking the needless obstacles set forth by the Trump administration's regulatory. It will direct a director of the order. I don't even know what that means. I guess he wants more regulations and more red tape. After all, he's a Democrat, isn't he? Well, there it is. I guess the biggest one is eliminating the uh, Keystone XL pipeline to make sure that our oil prices go through the roof and we're more dependent upon Iran uh, and other Middle Eastern nations that are not our friends. So those are President-elect Biden's first actions via executive actions. Ladies and gentlemen of the Savage Nation, let's move on to the next piece of the Savage Nation podcast. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I then talked about an email I received from a special forces soldier entitled, Winter is Coming. Listen to it carefully. I received an email from a U.S. Special Forces veteran, a highly decorated medic from Vietnam, one of the bravest men, according to those who fought alongside him. And he wrote an interesting analysis of what's liable to happen under these extreme progressive slash communists, because he fought the communists. He knows how they operate. I'm going to read the email to you. It's two pages long, and then we'll discuss it. 
and I want to know what you think about it. Remember, we're talking about the inauguration of fear and loathing. What occasional cortex Schumer, Pelosi, Harris and Biden would like to do to us. This U.S. Special Forces vet writes the following. In the wildly popular series Game of Thrones, characters use the phrase winter is coming to indicate that there was trouble on the horizon. The undead lurking behind the wall were on the march and dark times were coming. For America and especially conservatives and Republicans, winter is coming. Now that the socialist Democrats have taken control of our federal executive and legislative branches, the assault on our republic and those who hold to the U.S. Constitution has begun in earnest. The drive to consolidate and hold on to power under a one-party oligarchy has both short-term and long-term goals. Based on what I have been able to determine so far, here is what we can expect. In the short term, the movement to make the District of Columbia and possibly Puerto Rico a state will steamroll through Congress. Statehood for D.C. will give the Democrats two more Senate seats and many House seats from a district that voted over 90% Democrat in the last election. Two more Senate seats will ensure that Democrats maintain their Senate majority way into the future. The media will shift from full-time destroy Trump mode to promoting the left's agenda and flattering Biden and Harris. Hunter Biden's child porno photos and deals with the CCP will be forgotten, as will the reference to the kickbacks to the big guy. There will still be pieces attacking Trump, as the stake must stay firmly in his heart. But there will be fewer. The mainstream and conservative media will continue the party line, while any dissent will be dealt with by the Media Literacy Commission, currently being promoted by AOC and her communist allies. The canceling and shaming of anyone who dared to challenge the most fraudulent election in American, maybe world history, despite thousands of sworn affidavits and even video evidence, will shift into high gear. Have you noticed the shift in language? Heretofore, we who held an opinion different from the Democrats were racists. An ugly and insulting opprobrium, to be sure, but now we are terrorists and insurrectionists. So we go from haters of our fellow man to traitors to our country for opposing them. The difference? Racists are vile and to be avoided. Terrorists can be arrested, jailed, and tried. Look for indictments of Trump's staff and supporters in the weeks to come. The purge has begun, comrade. Big tech such as Facebook and Twitter will increase their censorship and canceling of conservatives. They will do all they can to eliminate any conservative voice or thought from the internet to include social media platforms and search engines. Big tech will ultimately run their algorithms on email accounts and take down any accounts which they identify do not agree with them. You may lose your ability to communicate via the internet. The U.S. borders will collapse. The border war will help, but as Democrats will demand open borders, the border patrol will be overwhelmed and the morale will plummet. Catch and release? No, just watch the future Democrat voters come over because they are going to be released into the country in a day or two anyway. The Supreme Court will gain three or four new justices. You heard me. Their selection will not be based upon their records of jurisprudence, but upon their minority status and their leftist credentials. Thus packed, the Supreme Court will never again come down on the side of the Constitution or favor a conservative point of view. The Senate filibuster rule will be negated so that the legislation designed to change America will sail through, regardless of Republican dissent, to be signed by President Biden. The centuries-old institution of the Electoral College to ensure that all states are represented in a national election 
will be abolished by Biden. Presidents will be elected by popular vote. The Democrats won only the voters in the heavily populated states run by the Democratic Party to have a voice. Idaho, Montana, never heard of them. What will Biden, Harris, Schumer and Pelosi and Cortex do in the longer term? There is a lot for the Democrats to get in to changing America and crushing the scent, but they're just getting started. There will be a blacklist developed. If you are a member of any organization that they don't like, such as the NRA, Judicial Watch, the Republican Party fundraiser organizations and others, your name will be leaked to the Democrats. Hey, if the White House had leaks, could your organization be exempt? And you will be blacklisted. You may, depending on how badly they hate the organization, be labeled a potential terrorist and denied government services, lose your credit standing and placed on a no-fly list. Are you paying attention to me? Federal agencies will begin their harassment of anyone with known conservative and or Republican ties. Remember how they denied and frustrated the Tea Party by denying them exempt status and requiring hundreds of pages of documentation? The IRS, Department of State, Department of Agriculture, Department of Interior, HUD, etc., will all slow walk applications from people on the blacklist. This includes such things as slowing passport applications, IRS audits, delaying farm subsidy payments, mishandling student loan applications, and dozens of other chicaneries that they can pull while seeming to be doing their jobs. Then they will be coming for our guns. One of the age-old rules of a totalitarian government is that they must disarm the populace in order for the repression to continue. Any firearm that you have purchased within the last 25 years or so has a paper trail that is in the government computer somewhere. They will come for it, probably not right away. No, instead they will severely regulate and tax firearm purchases, ammunition, and manufacture. They will drive most weapons manufacturers and dealers out of business with excessive regulations and taxes. Firearms will become prohibitively expensive due to fees and taxes, which will be discriminatory, of course, but which will serve their purpose. As weapons become scarce, they will come for those that remain. With hundreds of millions of guns out there, they will attempt to use local law enforcement with varying degrees of success. What about corporations? Corporations will be increasingly pressured to be loyal to the party and to the party line and to the theology of the party. Those that go along will be awarded the government contracts and be left alone. Those that cling to concepts like individual responsibility and initiative, rewarding individual or team accomplishment, or using sources of energy other than the approved will be punished with inspections, shutdowns, and federal lawsuits for everything from job discrimination to ADA complaints. There will be a return to heavy-handed discrimination in America. This time it will be against the white population. One of Biden's cabinet appointees has explicitly stated that increased melanin makes a person smarter and stronger better. Home of borders, language, culture, the savage nation. We continued the discussion. Listen to me. This is what they wrote. People of color are better than you is what they're saying. Hiring decisions, college admissions, promotions, military assignments and other life decisions will not be based on who has the superior skill set and ability, but on sex and color considerations. Think about that the next time you consult a neurosurgeon or board an airplane. The U.S. has worked hard for generations to become a colorblind society. We are reversing that now with the insistence of the Democrats and their acolytes. The transition to the so-called Green New Deal has begun. 
Look for government contracts and outright grants to go to so-called green companies, especially those on good terms with the Democrats. Solar and wind power will be firms that will reap billions, whether they can show economical production of power or not. Fossil fuel companies will, like the firearms manufacturers, be faced with crushing taxes and regulations. The fracking industry will be shut down because it will be impossible for them to make money under the new administration. Tens of thousands of jobs will be lost. The United States will move from being energy independent to again importing foreign oil. This will make us more vulnerable internationally and increase the strain on our Navy as control of the Strait of Hormuz and commercial sea lanes becomes vital for economic survival. This all the while China is getting frisky with sea lanes in the South China Sea. Gasoline, coal, and natural gas prices will double in a few months as taxes on fossil fuel increase and supply drops. Homes and industries that still use coal will pay more. This includes everyone who gets their electricity from coal-powered plants. As more solar and wind companies begin to fill the power grid, expect brownouts or blackouts. Power is not made when the wind doesn't blow or on cloudy days. What else will the fear and loathsome crowd do to us? Look for the U.S. to get back into treaties that restrict our economy while promoting those of developing nations, putting us at a trade disadvantage and costing U.S. consumers more. Expect an economic crash comparable to or worse than the 08 recession. The COVID-19 crisis has seen laws passed essentially forgiving the payment of rents and mortgages for months. This cannot continue without something breaking. As landlords face expenses and taxes and homeowners default, banks are left holding the bag an empty bag. Just as the bundling of worthless mortgages led to disaster in 08, the non-payment of loans will lead to a domino effect. Because banks and other lenders have so much worthless paper, mortgage rates will go up. Add to this that the Federal Reserve has stated that they are going to stop pumping money into the economy in 21. The days of cheap money for real estate, autos, and other purchases are gone. Add to this the increased taxes that the Democrats have promised. As money dries up, so does the economy. The liberals have always hated the military, so the U.S. armed forces will be allowed to deteriorate. The money needed for maintenance and upkeep will be largely redistributed to pet liberal causes, let alone upgrade of weapon systems or the purchase of new ones. Military promotion will not depend on skill at bringing death to the enemy, but on one's commitment to transgender issues and racial justice and, of course, skin color. The Biden gang will be sure to promote those officers who can be counted upon to be loyal. Huh. Look for more worthless and politically correct generals. The push will begin to grant citizenship, not just legal residents, to the millions of illegal aliens living in the U.S. Citizens can vote, and the Democrats need a permanent underclass of poor and unemployed to continue to vote for them. Most of these new voters reside in states the Democrats need to carry in national elections should the Electoral College remain and can be counted on for the popular vote if not. Winter is indeed coming. The above concerns are but some of what we can expect. We as the loyal opposition need to take all available precautions and soon, very soon. This can range from the urgent purchase of ammunition and the repositioning of firearms to the stocking up of food and essential supplies, especially our prescription medicine. As the economy worsens and desperation increases, we may have to fight to keep ourselves safe and our supplies intact. Plan accordingly. As inflation and devaluation loom on the horizon, 
consider moving out of cash and paper into precious metal. I'm not a financial advisor, but can see this coming. All this pessimism is not to discourage your involvement in a political process. Based on the above, you can see how urgent it is for us to take back our government. At last count, there were 75 to 80 million of us who still want to maintain the America that was founded in 1776 and not some Marxist state. Get involved on the local level. Lobby and fight to have the election laws reformed to not allow cheating. Run for office. Attend school board, county, and city council meetings. Be heard. More Hispanics becoming citizens? We have the best political arguments in existence. Maybe some of us, those who can speak Spanish, should become conservative missionaries and convince our new neighbors that our constitution, capitalism, and the rule of law are the best. Now, here comes the best idea, ladies and gentlemen of the Savage Nation. He writes this. Consider this. Become a Democrat. What? Join the enemy? Okay. He says go undercover. But consider that at Democrat Party local and state meetings, you could become a real pain, loudly demanding a return to sanity and the rule of law. You might even rise in the party to be able to set policy. Good policy. Who says the Trojan horse is only for the Greeks? We need good people involved at every turn and everywhere. We need not resort to violence, but we must fight as hard as we can and then some more to take back our country. He closes with this. He says, one of my favorite John Wayne quotes is, nobody said it was going to be easy. Winter is coming. Prepare. It's very chilling, my friends. And it was written by a very, very, very heroic American hero, a medic in Vietnam in the Special Forces. He fought the communists. He knows who they are. And the inauguration of fear and loathing of Biden, Harris, Pelosi, Schumer, and Cortex is already here. Now let's move on. I'm Michael Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Finally, I read to you from Life and Death in Shanghai by Nian Cheng, which described in grisly detail what life was like in China under communist rule, what was done to the middle class. Listen to it very carefully because of occasional cortex Ayanna Presley, Omar, and the other vermin of the left get control of this country as it looks like they are doing. This can happen here. I'm Michael Savage. Pay close attention. Thank you very much for listening. And by the way, share it with five others. Well, today we talked about the inauguration of fear and loathing. And I listed for you not only what Biden was saying with the fake smiley faces, but what he really wants to do. And he's surrounded by hardcore Radical socialists, some absolute communists like Bernie Sanders, occasional cortex, and even worse than them. So when I say communist, do you even know what that means? Or has the word itself been so watered down? Well, let me conclude today by referencing a book you never heard of. A little known book. It's called Life and Death in Shanghai by Nian Cheng. You never heard of her. Of course not. She's not a politically correct lady of China. She was born in Peking in 1915. After studying at the London School of Economics in uh, 1935 to 1938, she married a Chinese diplomat. And from 41 to 48, they lived in Canberra, Australia. Following the Communist Revolution, her husband became general manager of Shell in Shanghai until his death of cancer in 1957. She herself then became 
Shell Oil's advisor to management from 57 to 1966. So why am I telling you about this in her book, Life and Death in Shanghai? Because it records the personal struggle of a courageous, physically frail woman who was 51 years old at the time of being incarcerated by the young communists like occasional cortex. And she never gave up her honor. You're not going to believe what this book has in it. It's a nightmare, less of physical deprivation, although that was bad enough of what the communists did to her, but of a perverted mental and moral world. Did you hear what I just said? A perverted mental and moral world that was ushered into China during the, quote, great leap forward. Great leap forward. That's what Biden would have you believe he's about to introduce into America. This is a lengthy book, The Life and Death in Shanghai. And you'll hear about the horrors that this woman faced during the Chinese Cultural Revolution. You should never forget this because it could happen to you. I'm going to read you one little piece from this book in conclusion today about what they did to her in her house. And that was this. They sent in the young communists like occasional cortex, perhaps even Black Lives Matter in new uniforms, green uniforms with guns. And they started interrogating her and they asked her where the money is. Where are you hiding the money? We want your money. We know you're hiding it. And I'll read now from the book. Several other men and women came into the room, followed by my servants. The man looked at them. The newcomers shook their heads. Evidently, they had not got what they wanted from my servants. The man with the tinted spectacles assumed a severe tone of voice and asked me, where have you hidden your golden weapons? What golden weapons? I was surprised by his question until I remembered the leading article of the People's Daily. That could be the San Francisco Chronicle or the New York Times, the People's Daily. I'm just inserting that. Now, let me continue from the book. It had accused members of the capitalist class of secreting golden weapons in order to form a fifth column when foreign powers invaded China. You know what golden weapons. You had better come clean. I have no golden weapons. The Red Guards have been here. They went through the entire house. They did not find any golden weapons. You are clever. You hid them. Our great leader told us that the class enemies are secreting golden weapons. He can't be wrong. We're going to find the golden weapons. If you don't come clean, then you will be severely punished, said their leader. Come along. They must be somewhere in this house of yours. I wondered whether they really believed the leading article or whether they had just made believe they believed it. The fact was that soon after the communist takeover in 1949, possession of firearms was declared illegal. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen of the Savage Nation? Those who had them had to hand them over to the government and was subject to a house search by the police. The former Kuomintang military and police personnel were arrested and reformed in labor camps. Their families all had to move out of their homes. Therefore, it seemed utterly absurd to say some Chinese could still have weapons in their homes in 1966. I'm reading from Life and Death in Shanghai for you useful idiots who think Biden is your savior. I'll go on. However, the revolutionaries... Those are the communists, like occasional cortex, Bernie Sanders, took my servants and me all over the house. They ripped open mattresses, cut the upholstery of the chairs and sofas, removed tiles from the walls of the bathrooms, climbed into the fireplace and poked into the chimney, lifted floorboards, got onto the roof, fished in the water tank 
under the ceiling and crawled under the floor to examine the pipes. All the while, they watched the facial expression of my servants and myself. Again, they're looking for guns and gold. Just what's coming to America. I had lost all track of time, but darkness had long descended on the city when they decided to dig up the garden. The sky was overcast and it was a dark night. They switched on the lights on the terrace and told Lao Chow to bring this flashlight. When they came to the coal shed, my servants and I were told to move the coal to a corner of the garden they had already trampled. The damp ash-covered lawn had been trampled into a sea of mud. All the flower beds had been dug up and spades were sunk into the earth around the shrubs. They even pulled plants out of their pots, but they found nothing, for nothing was there to be found. The revolutionaries, my servants and I, were all covered with mud, ashes, and sweat. In the end, physical exhaustion got the better of their revolutionary zeal. We were told to go back into the house. They were fuming with rage because they had lost face. The Red Guards put my gold rings and bracelets in the sealed room. Perhaps you could open the room and take them and let the Red Guards know, I said to the woman. Don't pretend to be stupid. We're looking for gold bars, she said. We were standing in the hall. The man with the tinted glasses had removed them to reveal bloodshot eyes. He looked at his fellow revolutionaries around him. Then he glared at me. Suddenly he shouted, wherever you hidden the golden weapons and took a step toward me threateningly. I could hardly stand. I was so tired. Making an effort, I said, there simply aren't any. If there were, wouldn't you have found them already? The fact he'd been proven wrong was intolerable to him. Staring at me with pure hatred, he said, not necessarily. We did not break open the walls. Shall I stop? Because it goes on to what they did to her cat, what they did to her house when they couldn't find gold and weapons. You want me to go on? I'm not going to go on. This is what the revolutionaries, the Red Guards, the communists like occasional cortex, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and all of the other vermin, the underpinnings of the Joe Biden administration, would do to us if they could. It's chilling. It's called Life and Death in Shanghai by Nian Cheng. It's worthwhile for you to understand that what we are about to live through in America has happened before. China, the Soviet Union, Cambodia, Cuba, just to name a few places. You say it can happen here? It started. Thanks for listening to the Savage Nation podcast. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.